Hey, we're starting a brand new series over the next few weeks, and uh, we've titled this series, We Are the Church. We are the church. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. We believe that church isn't just a building. It's people. And when each of those people know who they are and what they believe, we can achieve incredible things together. And that's what we're going to come to discover over these next several weeks as we dive into this thought that we are the church. And if you haven't realized it already, when you came in this morning, how many saw the amazing ministry expo that's going on in the lobby? If you, if you didn't see it, go get your eyes checked at the doctor this week. You need to check your awareness of your surroundings. But um, I encourage you after service today, when you're dismissed, Stop by one of those booths. Go, go check it out. Maybe you're not serving yet. Maybe you haven't joined a team. Maybe you haven't figured out which team yet to join. We've got four of our main areas, which they trail into every other ministry in our church. Stop by. Go get some information. There's a lot. They all put in their own efforts into what this looks like. So give them a little shout out. Say, hey, you did a good job. I like your booth better than that booth or whatever. Go tell them. we got a competition. We say we don't, but we do have a competition as a staff. I don't care who you are. We're a little competitive around here. Who can have the best expo? Stop by there. Psalm 92. Psalm 92. How many are you ready to receive the word this morning? I believe if you apply Psalm 92 to your life, it will change your life. You're going to read it with me today, and we're going to see how that's going to happen. Psalm chapter 92, verses 12 through 15. It says, the righteous will flourish. Everybody say flourish. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still still bear fruit in old age. All the old people said yes. Some of y'all didn't want to say nothing because you're like, I'm not old yet. All the seasoned people say yes. How many are grateful that the word says you can still bear fruit in old age? It says that you will stay fresh and green and you will continue to proclaim the Lord is upright and he is my rock. He is my rock. The righteous will flourish. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. They will still, still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. That's what we're going to talk about today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, let it penetrate our hearts today. Let us hear what you have to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever ran into someone who knew you, but you didn't know them? Anybody ever had that happen to you? And as the conversation goes on, as you're talking to them about how they know who you are or whatever, the story's a little off. 
This happens to me often as, as a pastor. I have the opportunity when I go out in places, people like, hey, I know you. And I'm like, I know you too in the Lord. And, <laughs> and I love it. Um, I love the opportunity to get to, to chat with people. And just, just a few weeks back, not too long ago, um, I ran into someone in one of the places out in town and they were like, hey, hey, I go to your church. I go to your church. And I'm like, oh, cool, great, you know, awesome. And I'm like making sure I'm not looking like a hoodlum walking into Walmart or something. I'll just get on the website, I guess. It'd be all right. So we, so we chatted for a little while and a few minutes and just kind of getting to know who they were. And, and then, then they kind of shifted the conversation and they, they started to get real honest. And they said, hey, you know, would, would you mind praying for me? And I was like, I'd love to pray for you. I'd be happy to pray for you. I'll pray with you in the middle of Walmart. It don't matter to me who's around. I'll, I'll pray for you in the middle of the street. I did that one time with my neighbor. I never talked to her again. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Um, I, I'm not worried about what other people think. I, I'm okay to pray with you. I'm okay to, to lift up the name of Jesus. And usually when somebody asks that question, hey, would you pray for me? Normally they give you like, you know, one request. And he had like a laundry list of things. And so he said, well, you know, honestly, I, would, would you mind praying for my marriage? I'm, I'm, we're struggling a little bit. It's, it's not where I really where I want it to be. And, and, and while you're at it, you know, could you, could you pray for my kids? Because I believe one of them is doing something they're not supposed to be doing. And I'm not really sure what to do as a parent. And, and, and I'm, I'm feeling this financial pressure right now. I'm, I'm going through all this stuff. And, and I, I probably bought some things I really don't need to buy. And I got some debt. And, you know, I really don't like my job. As a matter of fact, my job is a little bit kind of on the line. I'm not really sure about that. And I really don't even love my life right now. Would you mind praying? And I was like, hold on. We're going to have to run that back. I got to write this down. <laughs> but I realized in my conversation with this person that this was really more of a conversation than a prayer that needed to happen. And so I said, look, before, before we pray, let me just ask you a few questions um, so I can better understand um, your life and better understand what's going on. You know, I'm trying to get a better picture. I said, okay. I said, you know, you say, you said, uh, you go to church. I said, uh, and he was like, yeah, 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 I go, I go to church. I go to your church. I said, okay. I said, I said, are you in a small group? Well, no, uh, I'm not, I'm not in a small group. Okay. Okay. Um, do you serve on a team like a church? Have you joined a team to serve in one of the ministries? And he's like, well, no, no, we haven't really done that yet. We haven't really found, you know, one yet. We've, we've looked a little. I said, okay, how long have you been coming to the church? He said, mm, more than five years or so. And, and I was like, okay. I said, okay. I said, let me ask you this question. I said, when was the last time you came to church? He said, well, Easter? This was like eight months after Easter. And then I realized in my conversation with him, my strategy and my ministry to him as a minister had to change. I prayed for him. We talked for a little while and I told him something that he probably wasn't expecting to hear. And it's the very same thing that I'm going to tell some of you today. And I told him, maybe you need to stop going to church. Because what I wanted him to see is the very thing that I believe some of you need to see. And that's this. God's highest calling for you was never going to church. God's highest calling isn't for you to go to a destination, but to be conformed to the image of Christ. Not to go to church, but to be planted in church. 
to be the church, a light shining in a dark world. God's highest calling is for you is not for you ever to go to church, but to be planted in the house of God and sent out into the world. So maybe instead of going to church, it's time to instead be planted in the house of God. Some of you have been like, you didn't give your title after your scripture. I've been waiting on it. I, I got you. Y'all know my trend and how I flow my sermon. Why don't you tell your neighbor today my title? Tell him, look him really in the eye. Go ahead and look at him. You know I'm going to do this. Just look him in the eye for a minute. They're like, this is why I don't really like coming to this church and this pastor when he speaks, make me look at my neighbor all the time. <laughs> look him in the eye and say, I want to tell you something. Stop going to church. I want to talk about that a little bit today. Somebody like, well, I might as well just leave right now. <laughs> I love the imagery in Psalm chapter 92 because it really sets you up and paints this picture of what the writer is trying to say. He says, he says, the righteous will flourish. Flourish. That, that's not a word that we typically would use in, in a public setting. I mean, if I were to go to the gym and somebody like, man, you got some gains, you're really flourishing. I'd be like, don't talk to me again. <laughs> like, that'd be weird. I don't like talking at the gym anyway. That's why I don't really go to the gym. I have my own home gym. I know it don't look like it. And it's because I haven't been using it. And I'm going to start using it. I'm having conviction right now. I need to start getting back into the gym. <laughs> but it's, a, a word flourish is not typically the word that we would use when communicating with people. Like, man, your outfit's real flourishing today. Like, you wouldn't really quite do that. But but what the scripture begins to talk about, it says that the righteous will flourish. What does that mean? It means that you will begin to grow spiritually, that you will begin to become strong in your faith, that you will begin to flourish in your life, that the old will bear fruit. You will see goodness thing, of things happening in your life, that, that you will be fresh and you will stay green. It gives you this imagery of all these things, this picture. Unfortunately, though, what, what I've come to see is that people who are not planted don't see those things. But people who are planted begin to see increase. They begin to see growth in their life. They begin to see joy abound. They begin to see love overwhelm. But unfortunately, so many experience, they don't experience these good things. And instead of maybe saying, I'm flourishing, you'll say, I go to church, but I don't really feel spiritually full. I feel spiritually dry. Maybe instead of using the word, man, I feel like I'm thriving, you wouldn't probably say that. You would say, you know, I go to church, but I feel emotionally withering right now. Maybe you wouldn't use the term like, man, I just feel really connected at church. You know, you would more so be like, well, I go to church, but I feel relationally barren. I don't really feel connected. You maybe not use the word that, man, I feel like I'm prospering in every area of my life. My finances are prospering, all these things. You basically say, I go to church, but I'm feeling financially stressed right now. I'm in debt up into my eyeballs. I don't know how to get my money in order. I'm not sure what to do. Maybe you wouldn't use the word, oh, man, I'm feeling really fulfilled right now. My life just feels full. I'm, I'm experiencing something of this fulfillment that I never thought I'd feel. Maybe your response wouldn't be that. Maybe your response would be, I go to church, but I feel like I'm still searching for something that matters. I haven't quite found what I'm looking for. 
in this scripture that it talks about two trees in the imagery that it's trying to play out. We see a palm tree and the writer also talks about a cedar tree. Now, for any construction worker, anybody in carpentry, anybody who builds or things like that, um, cedar is a phenomenal wood to use in structural building. It's, it's great when you're using it for things that you want to last. Cedar has um, three things that I believe that stick out to it. One of it is its durability. Cedar can withstand lengths and lengths of time. It can be built on something from centuries to come, and it will last. It will stand. It has this natural way of just fending off all the other stuff. Even, even when you read in Scripture Solomon's temple, he built his beams and his columns in the roof. They were all built out of cedar so they would last for centuries. So you see in cedar that it is, it is durable. It can withstand some stuff. You also see that cedar is attractive. If you were to lay up wood side by side, you would see that a cedar tree is beautiful. The cedar posts are way more prettier than pine and way more expensive too. You would also notice, if you ever have like, some of the old school homes used to have the cedar box closet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of those old school homes, why? Because cedar has this aroma you can walk into a place or if you walk through a pasture that has cedar trees, you will smell the aroma of a cedar tree. When you look at a palm branch, I know we don't have very many of those in our area. We try to plant what we can, but, you know, you don't see as many around in this area. But a palm branch and a palm tree, a palm branch in Scripture, a lot of times was a symbol of triumph and victory. You understand scripture when they would use palm branches, it was and even even in today in some other countries, a palm branch understands triumph and victory. And many Romans that were Olympians that would win in certain things and they were awarded, they would award them with palm branches back in the day. You may be like, why is that? Well, even when Jesus entered Jerusalem in this triumphal entry, there were palm branches laid out. They were they had palm branches all over the place. Why? Even Palm Sunday. It's this symbol of triumphance and, 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 and victory. Both of them are evergreens, meaning they, they thrive and they produce life year round. They're constantly flourishing. You can put them in most environments and they're going to withstand any length of storm. I love it in the scripture. It says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. So who will flourish? Not the ones who just go to church. Not the ones who, who, who come Easter and Christmas or when their life is in chaos and they don't know what to do, so they come back to church. No. It's those who are planted. Somebody say planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. It says that they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Something I want us to realize today is this. Your life is a seed. It's like a seed. And you have tremendous potential. When you look at a seed, if I were to pull up an apple seed today and I were to show you this, this apple seed, it may seem very small, but it has tremendous potential to grow, to multiply, 
to thrive, to bear fruit. And if you're planted, it will do that. But a seed not planted, it's unfruitful. It's dormant. It's unproductive. It cannot do anything. It is barren. It will just sit on a shelf. And I want to say a few things today. I want you to write these things down. And the first thing is this. A seed can only grow if it's planted. Wow, that is really like theological. Sometimes we miss the simplicity because we're looking for something so profound. And God sometimes will try to speak to you in simple terms so we won't. We will will, um, see what he's really trying to say. A seed can only grow if it's planted. And we see this in Scripture, Matthew chapter 13. If you go read the the, the, when Jesus was talking about the parable of the sower, if you read that whole part in chapter 13, he will say that the farmer, the, the sower was scattering seed and it said he scattered it on the path, on this hard path. And it said that that the seed, when it fell on this hard path, it never took root. And it says the bird swept down and and it it ate the seed. Then he said he scattered seed on this this shallow ground. It was like rocky ground. And and when when the the sun came, it said it scorched up the seed. They sprouted a little bit, but it scorched up the seed and it withered and it died. Then he said he he threw it on another set of soil or another set of uh, land. And when it hit that land, it said that the the thorns and the, 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 the bushes began to choke out the seed, it, it brooded a little bit, but then it was choked out because it was not planted in the right soil. Some started to grow, but then other plants and thorns choked them out. And then Jesus said, those are the things like the worries of the world, the concerns of life. That's what those thorns, in my opinion, is what Jesus is trying to say represented. Do you see the metaphor? How some people have potential, but they never go anywhere. How some start to grow, but then they just kind of fade away. How some start to thrive spiritually, but, but the worries and the concerns and the bills and the struggles of life choke you out spiritually. You're still choked out of all spiritual growth. But then Jesus said that the sower threw the seed on good soil. And when it fell on good soil, it said it began to multiply it, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And that one seed becomes a massive blessing because it was planted in good soil. Who is it that flourishes? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. It says a seed can only grow when it's planted. Another thing that I've learned is that going to church isn't the same as being planted in church. Going to church is not the same thing as being planted in church. There's a real difference, and you can even hear it in the language. You can even hear it in the language. For example, some of you, if you go to church, here's probably what what you might have said this week. Can we get a little real today? I asked the question. It's really a rhetorical question. Um, Y'all know me, I'm going to be real as it is um, because I want us to grow. I want us to fall into love with what God wants for our life. But, but you, you'll even see it in the language. If you just go to church, you will find yourself. You probably said this. Week, hey, hey, are, are we going to go to church today? Are we going to church this week? Like, you know, we, we've kind of been busy and 
you know, there's a lot going on. This is my only day off. I just want to, I don't want to do anything. I don't really want to go. And, and, and like, 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 you know, the kids, you know, the kids, the kids, they, uh, they, they, they got a lot going on. They got homework. Um, they got the tournament ball. We were just tired. Like, like they, they got a lot going on too. And, and I'm not really sure if we're going to go. Are we going to go to church? People, I like to hear that. They said, we going. That's what I'm talking about. People who go to church, that's what they say. But when you're planted, you will never ask the question, hey, are we going? Are we going to go to church this week? Are we going to, mom, are we going to church today? Why? Because church is not a destination in which you to attend. Church is a posture. It is who you are. It's, it's the same as like, like we, we don't ask ourselves, are we going to church in my family? It's a non-negotiable. We, we never ask the question. We've never, ever asked the question. Hey, because if I didn't show up, we don't ask that question. Why? Because we are the church. We are worshiping God together. It is an identity inside of us. It's not just something we just do. It's who we are. It's just like I never go ask my kids on the weekend, hey, kids, are you, are you thinking you want to eat today? <laughs> you know, I'm really tired. I mean, I had a long week. I got dealing with all these crazy people at this thing called the church. And, you know, I'm tired. And, you know, I don't really feel like it. You know, I got a lot going on and y'all got homework. So I don't know, like, do you, are you sure you want to, do you want to eat today? I would never ask that question. It'd be like going to my wife, Kendall, and saying, babe, do you want to be loved today? Like, I don't know. I'm just like really tired and I know I got a lot going on. And, you know, the kids, the kids, like I, we throw everything on the kids. Grow up and man up and take responsibility. I, I would never ask that question. God's church isn't something to be a part of. It is our lives. It's not a part of our lives. It, it, it is our lives. We have to realize that God said in his scriptures, our life is not our own. And we forget that. Like I wasn't sitting here and my purpose in life, and I said this last week, but maybe you missed it last week, so I'm going to say it again. My purpose in life is not to be married to that beautiful, fine thing right there. Although it is a luxury of life, but it's not my purpose. My purpose in life is not to be a father to my four beautiful children. That's not my purpose. My purpose in life is not to, to just live life and to buy cars and to buy homes and to have a career. That's not my purpose. My purpose is my assignment that God sent me on this earth to do. What he placed me in this time, in this era. God could have placed you at any point in this world, at any time, in a year, in an era. But he placed you here. He placed you in today. Why? Because he's got an assignment on your life that he only you can. Nobody else can do your assignment. Nobody else can fulfill the purpose that God has placed on your life. No one. Not your spouse, not your kids, not your friend, not your auntie, not your uncle. Nobody. Nobody. Look to your neighbor and say, you can't fulfill my purpose. Look to your other one and say, you ain't as good as me. Y'all been wanting to say that too. I, I want to give you two scenarios today. We got person A and person B. I'm going to give you two scenarios today, and I want you to discover which one of these are you. 
Person A, they go to church, and when they walk in, they experience God's presence, and it's, they're overwhelmed with this joy, and maybe it was the song that day. The song just spoke to them right in the situation that they're facing, or they, or they hear the message, and that message was exactly what they were facing, and what they need to go through, and what, what was happening in their life, and they feel like God just touched them, and they experienced the presence of God, or maybe they came in contact with somebody, and, and God just used that person to encourage them, to pray for them. Maybe they came to church because they, they felt this spiritual need and they called out to Jesus and Jesus touched them, changed their life. Then what doesn't happen is person A is they never really get connected with other believers in the church. They never really take on the mission of the church for themselves and they only go to church for themselves and they still go to church but they're, they're kind of they kind of just watch worship. There's no real contribution. There's no real giving. There's no real serving. There's no real emotion behind it. But we're still going to church. And then a few years later, and I see this happen time and time again in multiple conversations, is they're only really now going to church on Easter or when At The Movies comes around because it's got free popcorn and free soda and everybody likes movies. And life has become spiritually shaky. But they still, they still kind of go to church. They may still believe in God, but they're not really seeing any victory in their life. They, they, they still believe in God, but they're not finding the joy. They're not seeing the passion anymore. The peace is not abounding in their life. They're not really feeling their purpose is being fulfilled. Their marriage has become flat. They're, they're, they're financially beginning to struggle. Their spiritual warfare is happening, and they're so vulnerable because they're not strong enough. In other words, they aren't flourishing. It's person A. Then you have person B. Person B goes to church. They experience the presence of God. They have a similar experience as person A. It was a song. It was a message. It was a person who touched them. Jesus just really spoke to them that day, and they were changed. They were impacted. God did something supernatural through either somebody else or through a song or through a sermon. But with person B, what they do do is they start to develop some healthy relationships in the church. And someone else is beginning to pray for them and they're beginning to pray for somebody else and they recognize that God has given them gifts. Like God puts something on the inside of them and, and they begin to use their gifts in church and suddenly church isn't just a destination that they attend, it's an, an identity that they become to embrace. And they realize that I'm part of this thing called the family of God. And they, they realize a sense, and I'm finding a sense of belonging in a way that I never felt before. So then we get a few years down the road, and you get to see this person, and they're, they're strong, they're connected, their life is blessed. Why? Because their roots have grown deep. And even though life ain't perfect, and let me tell you, life ain't perfect, it ain't always great. And when the storms begin to come, this person that was able to withstand the storm because their roots are deep because they were planted in the house of God. In other words, this person is flourishing. It doesn't mean life's perfect, but they're connected. They're, they've got strength that they didn't know they could have. There is a big difference between going to a building and being planted in the house of God. Your relationships become rich. You begin to make a difference in ways you never thought you could. 
You will become so fulfilled in your purpose in life. Joy will begin to abound in ways you're like, how can I have joy in this situation? It just don't make sense. You ever met somebody like that? It's like, how do you have peace right now? Your life is going through hell. Like your kids are crazy. Your marriage is struggling. But you're like, I got peace. Why? Because I know God's going to take control. I'm going to stay faithful to his word. I'm going to know that he's going to be right there with me. And I'm going to stay faithful to what he called me to do. I'm going to stay faithful to what he said to do. And I, why? Because God is good. That, that's not in question. And you will find the people that are flourishing in life can go through hell and come on the other side of a fire and still not smell like smoke. Church is not a place to go to. It's not a destination. It's not a building. It's people. Back in Scripture, you will, you will see that there is this Greek word that was used for the word church, what we know it today, and it's ekklesia, this Greek word. And that word literally is defined in two ways, and one of them is, is called assembly, and the other one is called um, a gathering. That was the two ways that that Greek word was defined. In other words, let me just say this. If you listen to a preacher's podcast, that's good. And I recommend that you do that. There's a lot of great sermons. My sermon is not going to be the best sermon. You can go listen to T.D. Jakes. You can go listen to Stephen Furtick. You can go listen to all these amazing pastors doing a lot of great things. Go listen to Pastor Joel Osteen if you want to have this. Be encouraged. Because he'll smile at you and blink his eyes and I can't do that. Amen. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. We love Pastor Joel. He did our grand opening for this building. He's a great longtime family friend. But, but like, I think it's great that you go do that, and it's, it's awesome. But that's not, that's not what it means to be planted. It's in the same way that, that I, don't, I don't want to have a relational connection with my children where all they ever hear me was on a voice message. That's, that's not the relationship that I, I want with them. I want them assembled in my house because I am their father. And I love my family when they're gathered together, when we come under the same house and when we do things together and we embrace one another. And when one is struggling, we say it. And when one is joyful, we say it. And we cry together and we laugh together and we do life together. That, that's what it means to gather. It's an assembly. It's, it's the gathering. But that word ecclesia, the, 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 the ek means, if you go to break down this word and how it's broken down, the word ek means out, and klesia comes from the word kaleo, which, mean, which is called, uh, is, is, is literally means, uh, so kaleo means called, which literally means, if you put that word together, it very much literally means called out one. In other words, we gather together to be unified, we gather together to honor our God. We gather together corporately to hear the word of God. We gather together to use our gifts. We gather together to be strengthened as the body of Christ so we can get stronger and we begin to realize that I am the church and that I'm here to reach the world, that the church does not exist for me, that I am the church and I exist for other people that are not yet the church. That when we are planted, we're not spiritual consumers. We are, we are spiritual contributors. The day that I got saved, I didn't just get saved for me. My sins weren't washed away for me. It was washed away for the glory of God. That's what that means. That's what salvation is. We're planted. 
We're not just spiritual consumers. We understand that the church doesn't exist for us. When we become followers of Christ, we realize that we are the church and we exist for the world. That is our identity. And there's a massive difference between going to a building and being plugged into a calling and a movement and a mission. We are called to be planted in the house of the Lord. Something I've learned in my life is that when you stop going to church, your roots grow deep. Jeremiah, there's an amazing passage in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse eight, and the first part of it says, says they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. That's an amazing passage. If you've ever been to, to Northern California, and you go to the Redwood National Park. Have you ever been to the Redwood National Park? Have you ever studied the, the, the trees, the redwood trees? They are the, that tree is the tallest living thing on earth. That, that studies have shown that those trees can get as tall as 30 stories high. They can get as wide and as deep, the depth of it, the, the mass of that tree, of that trunk, can become as wide as three stories. Massive tree, super tall, super wide. Its lateral roots, as it goes into the ground, some have studied and found them going 100 to 150 feet from the trunk. Those roots are so deep. And as they begin to study those, they will, you will find that those roots are intertwined between each tree, that those trees are literally holding each other up that each tree, really at the end of the day, because it is so large, because it has prospered so much, it must be connected to other trees. Otherwise, if the storm were to come and it was all alone, it would topple over. Each tree needs each other to, to survive and to thrive. Can I tell you, this is what the body of Christ is. This is why we need each other, because all week you're going to face opposition. You're going to face trials. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have struggles. You're going to deal with crazy people. And if you haven't, I'll give you three of mine. I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't think the devil minds at all if you just go to church. The devil don't mind if at all if you just attend church. I don't think he minds at all. The only one who wants you to think that you shouldn't be planted in church is your spiritual enemy. That's it. He wants you to be isolated. He wants you to be, to be just all alone. He, he wants you vulnerable. He wants you to not realize that we need the family of God, that I need you and you need me. And I can't tell you what our church has meant to our family. Praying for us encouraging us, supporting us. Life can be tough. Storms can blow. Life can be a struggle. But I've been so blessed. We have been so much encouraged. We have found strength because our roots are supported by yours. We need each other. Something else I've learned is that when you stop going to church, your roots produce fruit. As you continue to read on and Jeremiah 17, the verse eight, as it continues, says with roots that reach deep into the water, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. It says their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. It says that they're not bothered by the heat. 
that, that they're not shaken or concerned about the droughts. That they're not rattled. Why? Because they're still going to produce fruit. It will stay producing fruit in every season and every time and every place. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament talks about a spiritual fruit from God. And when we stay connected to the spiritual vine, that God will begin to produce these kinds of fruit. We learn these with a lot of times in kids ministry. And I have a song. It's called Fruits of the Spirit that we play with our kids and our kids laugh about it. But let me tell you, if you would ask them, they probably could quote to you the different fruits of the spirit because like the fruit of the spirit is not a coconut. Have you ever, how many ever heard that when you got little kids, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, yes, I know it. But you would begin to see that Paul talks about these spiritual gifts, these, 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 the, the fruits of the spirit and it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, that this fruit comes when you're planted. That's what Paul is trying to get us to realize. It comes when you're planted and, and know that this fruit is not just for you. That, that this fruit is not just for you. This fruit will bear with love that overflows to other people. That joy that will begin to spread throughout all the people that you come into contact with. That peace that becomes so attractive that people are like, I want what you got. Whatever you ordered, I want that because I need that in my life. Kindness and blessings will begin to permeate through your life. Faithfulness will begin to strengthen other people's relationships. They'll see your faithfulness and say, I want that. I need that faithfulness in my marriage, in my kids, in my career, in my life, in my friendships. I need that. And I want you to discover so much the thrill of being used by God. It's, it's like some Christian cocaine. And guess what? I'm your dealer today and I'm going to get you hooked and you're going to come back and you're going to want more and you're going to want more and you're going to want more. And guess what? It's free, baby. I, don't, I ain't charging you nothing. Jesus don't charge you nothing. And I want to rattle you today to understand that you were just not saved from sins, but you were saved for the glory of God. You got to live that. But when you become planted, your language evolves about around church. It changes. Church means something different to you when you become planted. And I want to tell you that when you go to church, I want you to love our church. I want you to love it so much that you just like I, can. Can we do like every night, every day? Because I need, I need church in my life. I need to be together with other believers because life is crazy. Can I just spend some more time with my, my fellow believers because I go to work and they ain't? But let me tell you, God placed you there. You may be the only Bible they ever read. So what scriptures are you displaying in your life? Ones of contradiction or ones of mercy? Let me tell you this, if, if you don't feel like you can get planted here at Skybreak, there are a lot of other great churches in our community. And I'm friends with a lot of other pastors. And I would say, go find a place that you can get planted. 
because I want you flourishing. I don't, I don't care where you flourish. I just want you to be flourishing. I want you to experience the goodness of God. I want you to experience what scripture says to capture the extraordinary life that God has to you. And if it's not here, that's okay. We're gonna miss you. We're better with you. But if you can't get planted here, then go get planted somewhere where you can get under a vision and a mission and you can serve the house of God and you can serve your purpose and you can see lives change and you can make a difference for eternity and you can depopulate hell and populate heaven with your gift and your purpose and your calling. Go find that. And I feel like God sent me on an assignment today to tell you, stop going to church and get planted. Somebody like, Pastor, you're so mad. I'm not mad. I just I hate that the devil is robbing you of what you could have. That's my passion. My staff love me when I get this way, especially when I walk into the office and I'm like, all right, I'm feeling it today. And they're like, can you go to your office? My, my office is on the other side of the building right now. Because I'm, I'm just, I get passionate. I hear a conversation and I'm like, oh, let me get in on this one. How do you expect to defeat the powers of darkness that come when you only attend church once a month? It's just a question. What I found is that some of us spend more time on Instagram in a day than we do serving in church in a month. Some of us spend more money on coffee than we do giving to the work of the kingdom of God. Some of us spend so much time going to church when it's time to learn to be the church. Well, I tried that and it didn't work. Can I tell you, trees don't grow overnight. They take time. Here's what a seed needs to flourish and to grow. It needs soil, your heart. It needs light, God's word, as a lamp to your feet. It needs water. Guess what? Jesus is our living water. It needs temperature. It needs the fire of the Holy Spirit that burns on the inside of you. And it needs time. When's the best time to plant a tree? People will tell you 20 years ago. You should have planted it 20 years ago because now you'll see the fruit, you'll see the harvest. But can I tell you the next best time is today? It is right now. Stop going to church and be planted in church. Because planted in the house of the Lord, the Bible says you'll flourish. I don't know about you, but I want that in my life. I want to see God's purpose flourish in my life. I want to see God's blessings flourish in my life. Am I alone up here, or does anybody else want to see their life flourishing in their relationships, in their marriage, in their purpose, in their finances? I want you to stand all across this room with me today. I want all of us to bow our heads for just a moment. I want us to get real honest right now. I'm not gonna ask you the question if you wanna be planted. I'm asking you to get real, really, really, really honest with yourself right now. With every head bowed across this room. Those of you today that would say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian. I know that but I'm not planted. If you're saying, well, I'm not really sure if I am, can I clear it up for you? You're not, because you would know when you are. And if you're a Christian, but you're not planted like you should be, 
Would you be real honest right now and just lift your hand high across this room? Just be real honest with yourself. God can work with honesty. All across the room, just lift them up. No condemnation. This is a self-reflective moment. This is between you and God. If you're really honest with yourself and you get really vulnerable and you ask yourself, am I really planted? If you can't answer that, I want you to lift your hand today because I want to pray for you. Just lift them up. If you're on the other side of a screen right now, just lift your hand. Get real honest with yourself. I just go to church. I'm, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I may even be going to heaven, but I'm not planted. Just lift your hand. No, no shame. God, I pray, Lord, that you would convict our hearts from over every single person that has their hand lifted and those that may not have their hand lifted yet. I pray, Lord, that you would, you would move us today. God, that you would give us the desire to be a part of your global church, lifting up the name of Jesus, that people would come to find freedom, that they would find healing. God, help us to see that your church is incomplete without your family plan using what you've given us to make a difference in this world. Help us today, like your scripture says, when the son came to his senses. I pray today, God, that we would feel, we would feel your breath in our hearts, that you would speak to our soul. that it's time that we stop going to church and we start getting planted in church. Because planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. God, that's what we want. God, that's what we need. As you're still praying today with every eye still closed, every head still bowed, there may be some of you that maybe before you're planted, you're saying, I, I need to know Jesus. I don't have that relationship with him yet. Maybe you did, and maybe this is your first time back to church in a while, and you're like, you know, I, life happened, and felt like I've been hit by a, a truck in my life, and I just don't, I don't even know where to turn, but I found myself here today. Maybe somebody brought you, maybe somebody drugged you, maybe somebody drugged you. <laughs> but whatever it is, can I tell you, it is not by accident that you're in the house of God today, whether you're here for the first time or you've been coming a little while and you're trying to check this thing out or someone got you back to say, come back to the house of God. That there is a God who loves you, who sent his son Jesus to die for you, to die for me, to wash away your sin. That he was, he was, says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Jesus did that for you. Did that for me. He did that so that way we wouldn't have to receive the punishment we deserve. That he took it, the Bible says. He took the cup, which represented the wrath of God. The vengeance, the just vengeance that was to be poured out for all of mankind for their error and for their sin. Jesus said, I'm going to take their place. It says that they beat him beyond recognition. They whipped him with the cat of nine tails, 39 lashes on his back. And they nailed him to a cross. 
cross by which he also carried up to the mountain. He hung there, sixth hour to the ninth hour. And he did it with you in mind. He did it thinking about you. He said, I'm gonna die for them. Even if they don't love me yet, I'm gonna die for them. They don't know it yet, but they need me. I've got a purpose for them. I've got a plan for their life. And if they'll just call on my name, if they'll just admit that I am their savior, I will do things in their life that they can never imagine. I will give them a salvation and a grace that they cannot earn and they do not deserve, but I will freely give to them. That's the savior is calling out to you right now. If you don't know him today, you need to come back to the Father, just like the Son did. Came to his senses. I'm gonna count down from three, and I wanna pray for you today, and we're gonna pray a corporate prayer together. I don't wanna know who I'm praying for. So if that's you today, and you say, I need Jesus in my life. I give my life to Christ. I wanna, I wanna rededicate my life. If that's you, three, two, one, just lift them up, lift them up, lift them up. I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. I see it, I see it. Thank you, Jesus. From the front to the back, I see you. I see you. I see you, I see you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Young and old, husband and wife, I see you. Small children, I see you. Most importantly, God sees you. The Bible tells us if we'll acknowledge him before men, it says he will acknowledge us before the Father. That's why I want you to lift your hands. It's an act of faith, it's an act of obedience. I need Jesus, that's you. Just a few more seconds. Don't let this moment pass you by. Put your hands down. Now I want to pray that corporate prayer together. I want us all to say it together where our ears can hear us. Maybe you've prayed it a hundred thousand times. Pray it as support of, to a new believer today. Say it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus to die on a cross for me and wash away my sin. I repent that today. Forgive me of all my sin. Help me to walk in the life and the purpose and the plan and the assignment you set out for me. I place my trust in you today. I put my hope in you today. And I receive your salvation and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen. Come on, church. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate. For every hand that was lifted on the other side of the screen, let us know.